A big show today to wrap things up for the week. Travis Peterson makes his 2021 debut on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. And Eric Osberg of the Outdoor Report makes his all-time debut. Great conversations are coming up next. The long holiday weekend is here. Let's rock. If I had a bar for every time my line got stopped. Paul Bunyan. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Later on in the show, we're going to hear from Eric Osberg out of the Ottertail County area. But to get things started, first time this year we've had a chance to check in with Travis Peterson. And Travis, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be back. One of the things that has changed in the last few years is we now have a catch-and-release bass season that starts the same weekend as walleye. So I go to call guys to get walleye reports, and they tell me they went fishing bass now. So... It's. Uh, I'm guessing you might be one of those people. I am one of those guys, Kevin. <laughs> so from uh, from uh, walleye opener on, you've been fishing bass too. I have. I have not. Uh, I've not caught a walleye yet on purpose, uh, but I I have been out fishing quite a bit, um, targeting bass primarily, but also panfish. Uh, I was out last evening and caught a bunch of crappies. Uh, there's just so many so many different things to do. Um, but that early opener definitely, uh, you know, has, has split the fishermen up and have, has them fishing all parts of the lakes. Um, you know, most of the bass and the panfish are real shallow right now, so it it gets um, some of the you know boats off the break lines and and uh, that walleye uh, walleye areas and and spreads them out. So it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's if you're di- if you're diverse, uh, you know, bring a couple of different rigs onto your boat. Um, you can go fishing for walleyes, and if you if you get enough of those, then uh, by gosh, you don't have to go in. You can go fish for bass for a while. Absolutely, and that's definitely uh, an option. To keep our eyes open when we're fishing bass. A lot of times, we'll you know run across a, maybe a a bank of bull rushes that has you know we'll actually visually see some crappies in there, and then we'll pull out the crappie rod that's in the bottom of the rod locker and catch a few and spend a little time doing that. Um, don't want to pass up on those opportunities and same thing with with bluegills you know there's times when we see some big big bluegills in the shallows and and they're a blast as well so by and large how has the bite been the first few weeks of the season for you it's been good um i was actually uh you know to the to the east uh, over on lake vermilion the first two weekends of the season opening weekend i was was targeting bass over there uh getting ready for an upcoming tournament I should say fishing wasn't great that weekend. It was it was tough. The water temperatures were still, you know, 54 degrees in the main lake, and and uh, not even not even flirting with 60 in the bays. 
so the bass weren't up quite yet in the shallows, and uh, that's a huge lake, and it takes a little time to warm up. But then we did have those real hot days that Monday and Tuesday last week, and it really, uh, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it really skyrocketed the the water temperatures, and uh, we went back the following weekend, pre-fished for a tournament there on Saturday. There was bass everywhere in the shallows, and we were targeting smallmouth, uh, and then the tournament was on Sunday, and, and Vermilion's kind of in a unique situation. You're allowed to keep bass in the northeast corner of the of the state. Uh, some people don't know that. For tournament purposes, we don't keep them, but we do you know, box them in a live well, bring them in, weigh them in, and then release them. So we were able to have a tournament over there you know, prior to the typical Memorial weekend season, which is typically when the, our tournament season kicks off. So we got an early start this year. And I hear that you and uh, Jace did pretty well in that tournament. Yeah, we had a great day. Uh, The tournament was actually on Sunday last weekend. And leading up to that day, you know, that entire week was really hot and the water temperatures got real high. Well, a cold front came in Saturday afternoon. Uh, Sunday morning it was, you know, 45 degrees and uh, never never got above 50 all day. Cold east wind but the fish uh, stayed shallow and we had a had a great day uh we won the tournament with 20.69 pounds for five smallmouth uh we had a five pounder a four pounder and basically three others that were almost four pounds so it was a it was a really fun day wow so your tournament season's off to a good start yeah it is that was the first our first tournament for the year it's called the amateur bass series it's a series of tournaments that travels around the state mostly central minnesota but they venture up our way um they'll be up this way later this summer on woman lake at longville and and leech lake so we'll we'll fish five of their events and then uh, we're fishing another circuit as well so we've got 10 or 12 you know tournaments bass tournaments on our on our schedule in addition to uh, a walleye tournament or two well, yeah, one of those is coming up here uh, pretty soon. I'm assuming you're going to be part of the Knights Columbus Walleye Classic again. Yeah, absolutely. We're in, and uh, actually Jace and, and Charlie uh, were on the waiting list with the expansion, and they got a call here a couple weeks ago, and um, there'll be another Peterson team in the uh, in the KCs this year. All right. That could be interesting. Well, you better start yeah. fishing. you better start fishing walleye here pretty soon then. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, sharpen up. <laughs> it's kind of a tough order when you when the bass are biting so well and you love fishing bass so much. Yeah, not not so much. I, I really like the variety, Kev. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said last night, I was fishing crappies, and I you know I love to go out and and catch bluegills. Last night I was out with my dad, and we were you know we were fishing uh, crappies and bluegills with a bobber rig, and that's a timeless technique. Uh, never gets old. Or, Never get tired of watching the bobber go down and um, kind of takes you back and, and it's a little less sophisticated uh, way of fishing, but uh, sometimes those simple simple things are kind of fun to get back to. So I like the variety. Um, you know, by the time that the KC's rolls around, I'll be ready to get out on, on Bemidji and spend uh, probably a couple days just searching around and, and trying to find some fish. Um, uh, my dad's been out there. Uh, he was out there last week and had one on real good day. Um, had another day that was just so-so. So it's, uh, you know, until we get closer to the event, I think what we learn um, isn't going to hold a lot of stock. But we'll definitely put in uh, two or three days there prior to the tournament. 
So um, what have you been throwing at the bass primarily this year? Well, on the smallmouth side of things, we're because the the water temperature was, you know, cold and then they, they were just coming up, we were throwing small stuff. Uh, we throw a lot of small marabou jigs um, that are actually little little jigs, almost look like a crappie jig that the Jace actually custom ties for us, um, ties those up himself. And then uh, we're using some so- small plastics, uh, three-inch impulse minnows on a jig or on a drop shot rig worked really well for us. And then we were using some some uh, old impulse tubes that are they're no longer in production, but we've got a pretty good stock of them, and, and they're always a really good smallmouth uh, lure. Then on the largemouth side of things, um, we, you know, we've been fishing a little faster for them. They seem to move up uh, a little bit faster than the smallmouth and are ready to, you know, they're a little more active and ready to chase moving baits. So we've been using, you know, your, your swim jigs, a jungle jig with a, with a trailer on it, casting it and retrieving it through the, the new emerging weed growth. If you, you know, go back into a bay and there's, you know, part of it that has new green lily pads emerging, uh, there's a reason that, that there's, you know, growth in that part of the lake or that part of the bay, and it's it's simply the water's warmer. And uh, that's, you know, the, the water temperature, warm water is like a magnet in the spring for bass and panfish. And uh, largemouth and bluegills particularly will, um, they'll find the absolute warmest water in a, you know, in a, in a lake, and it doesn't take them very long to get there. And, and they'll, they'll chase those moving baits a little sooner than the smallmouth. And if we're not getting bit on those, then we, you know, go to an unweighted worm like a, um, the old impulse dipstick, things like that, that will, uh, you know, you can, you can give them a little chance to look at it, and, and it's a little more of a finesse technique. How many different lakes have you been on already this year? Oh, I've been on eight or ten. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to think about that a minute, but um, probably eight or ten, and I'm going to be on a new one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good for you. Um, that's, that's the thing about living up here is you have that opportunity and, you know, there's a lot of people, they just, uh, they, they, they like this lake and they're going to be on this lake and that's the lake they're on and they're missing out on a lot of uh, fun adventures by not just venturing another, you know, in our, in our area, four or five miles at most uh, and try something you haven't tried before. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of options and, uh, you know, you're right. People have their favorite lakes and that's great. They learn them, you know, they're comfortable on them and. And they become very familiar with those lakes. Uh, you know, Lake Bemidji is a you know fairly complex lake with with some of the structure that it has. You know, right here uh, as far as a local lake, but we have a lot of fishermen that that fish Bemidji a lot and have learned so much about it that um, you know they, they they know the lake better better than those people that you know frequent it a few times a summer for sure. Um, but I'm one that really likes to venture out and, you know, like you said, try new lakes. I go to a lot of the same lakes that I've been to over the years, but I may not have been there for two or three years and, and revisit them. I always try to add a few new lakes each season as well. I think one of the uh, real things that you have to be pretty excited about is, as part of the Peterson family, uh, there's multiple uh, generations that are still fishing and and getting competitive, and it gives you the options. I, I know you fish some tournaments with your dad, some tournaments with your son. Um, you got nephews, you got brothers. It's uh, it's kind of a, it's got to be kind of cool to to be be able to do that over the course of a year. Yeah, it is. It's a good chance to get in the boat. You know, with you know, sometimes we don't 
maybe see each other during the week, but uh, we get fishing on the weekend, and you get a chance to not only fish, but just reconnect and visit and talk about life. And um, same thing is true with friends, you know. We try to fish with friends, and um, one thing about being in a boat with someone, you're kind of forced to have uh, communication with them, and and, uh, you can't get away from each other, so... It can be good and it can be bad, but usually it's usually it's good. Um, if you can tolerate people, you know, that close to you all day in the boat, you're you're probably getting along just fine, and and uh, that's why you've why that's why they're you know friends. So d- does your wife and daughter fish? You know, Bryn fishes. Uh, my daughter Bryn fishes quite a bit. She she really likes to get in the boat and go with us. Janet, my wife, is more of a, a go for go for a boat ride person. Um, she will fish a little bit. Um, I. You know, I, I buy her a license every every season, and she'll fish a little bit. But uh, she likes to, you know, she likes to ride along. She doesn't like to fish quite as long as the rest of the Petersons probably. <laughs> she likes those hot those hot days and, and the mid mid part of the day when the sun is high. And uh, we tend to, you know, get out there early when it's a little cooler and and fish a little longer than she usually likes. But we'll break it up. Some days we'll, you know, the kids and I'll get up and maybe fish somewhere for a few hours in the morning and then we'll go somewhere else in the afternoon and and she'll join us and you know we'll have lunch in the boat so um i don't know it's it's hard to imagine not enjoying uh lake life in in northern minnesota when uh you know we put up with our winters uh as long as we do and um we're sure looking forward to the next three months but how many days a week do you get out on the water well as you know i'm in education and my my real job is ending here uh, for the school year in about another week, and then uh, my my obligations for the summer are to do some some basketball coaching a few days a week. Um, but that's usually takes a couple hours, and the rest of the time is is uh, spent a lot of time spent on the water, and and of course uh, maintaining things around the house. But I am sure I get on the water at least five days a week in the summer, and. Um, if not more, I live on a lake uh, close to t- east of town, and and um, if I'm not, you know, venturing around somewhere, I, you know, I'll get out on the lake in the evening with one of the kids, and and uh, it might be an hour, you know, but we'll we'll go out and get the string stretched a few times, and and kind of um, satisfy my appetite. The Peterson clan definitely has an appetite for fishing. Travis Peterson is my guest. This is Fish in Paul Bunyan Country. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you you probably use a little bit of Northland tackle in your in your fishing. Um, anything in the Northland uh, catalog or really anywhere that the, that's new that you really like? Yeah, well, you know, the one thing that we're really excited about is the Bagley lineup, and that's, you know, the Bagley Bait Company was purchased by, by Northland a little over a year ago and, and added, you know, another whole uh, product line. And Bagley is one of the oldest hard bait companies in the country, um, or in the world, I should say. They're they're uh, long-standing, um, quality, high-quality crankbait company, and really crankbaits for bass fishing uh, has been their bread and butter. And typically in the, you know, the the South, the Ozarks, and there's just a kind of a area down there where balsa crankbaits are are really popular and have been for many many years, and and Bagley is the original original balsa crankbait and um northland had a chance to purchase that that line um like i said over a year ago and they've really uh really excited about that so they've we we 
you know, being bass fishermen, we're excited to have more bass lures to use because bass uh, crankbaits tend to be a little bit different than walleye crankbaits. Um, they're usually shorter, uh, wider. They have a um, wider wobble uh, to them, a wider action. And uh, so we're excited to have those, you know, available. And, and we've been using those um, for a year now. Um, we had them, you know, had been using them prior, but we really, uh, really stepped up our use of those a year ago. Um, and some of the, you know, some of the baits in that lineup are the, the balsa b1 and the balsa b2 the sunny b um, they've got a really nice lineup of, of bass crankbaits and then with the uh you know with that uh came some opportunities for northland to dive into the hard bait business and um you kind of know that story but i guess to just recap um northland is now in you know in the hard bait business on the walleye side of things with their rumble series and we've, uh, we're really excited about that. The Rumble series has um, a few different shapes, but they're more of the walleye, you know, the walleye side of things, the Rumble Shiner and the Rumble Shad, the Rumble Stick. Those are three different walleye shapes, and they come in multiple sizes and some really beautiful colors. And I know that the local fishermen around here have seen them on the shelves in, in the local uh, bait shops, and um, they're definitely having some success. I know the boys were out... Uh, at midnight on opener, Jace and Charlie, and, and they were out, um, you know, field testing the Rumble Shiner, and they uh, they had some nice success with that, trolling those in shallow water on, on opening evening. And, um, boy, if, you know, people are looking to catch walleyes right now, there's still a good night bite going on um, in shallow water from, from the reports I'm hearing. And, and uh, you know, a Rumble Shiner or a Rumble Shad trolled in that, four to seven foot mark is is going to catch them um once the once the sun goes down so that's what we're excited about really is is the hard baits that uh we haven't you know we haven't had in in the northland lineup in the past and and uh and they're going over you know they've been well received by the by the uh the walleye anglers up in this part of the country and uh there's been a big resurgence in bagley baits in the bass belt and and the you know north to south east to west um with just increase in production and uh some really good color changes that have uh really livened up the the product line i don't know if i told you but i've told others i would feel guilty using those baits yarmo has designed those things they're just gorgeous i feel like they should be hanging on my wall as a decoration yeah, they're just really yeah, they, they nice. are beautiful. They're beautiful, and you know, there's actually a faction of people that you know that collect hard baits. And um, if you do, you know, do some research on the internet, there are baits in the Bagley line of of old. You know, a lot of a lot of baits come into production. They're built for a year or two or three or ten, and then maybe a color goes away. They they revamp their line. Some new colors come in. Some other colors are taken out of the production uh, taken out of production and these collectors will hold on to those and keep them mint you know brand new and the value goes up as time goes by and there's baits out there hard baits you know that um they're they're a hundred dollar baits and uh you can find them on the internet and and uh it's the same exact bait that they're making today but it's a different color that maybe had a limited run you know it's only only made for a year or two and and uh, Bagley had some, you know, years where they were not cranking out a lot of baits. And during those years, I think some of the 
anglers that were able to get their hands on some of those baits uh, were smart enough to uh, keep a couple in the package and hold on to them, and, and they're worth a lot of money now. Well, Trav, we're, we're heading into a long weekend of fishing. Um, we're going to get finally back into the 60s uh, on Friday and mid-60s and into 70s uh, into the rest of the weekend. So based on that, what should we be doing and what should we be fishing for? You know, the whole gamut is, is on the table, I think, as far as fishing. Right now is should be the best fishing of the, of the season or, or some of the best fishing of the season. If you're going to fish walleyes, I'd stay shallow still. If you're, um, it's kind of typical, typical walleye uh, reports that I'm hearing for early season when our water is still clear and uh, the fish are shallow. If you're fishing midday, you want to definitely be in some vegetation and find some of that, you know, newly emerging cabbage weed. Um, it comes up in the same places every year. You just have to remind yourself of, you know, where, where those places are and, and stay in those areas during, you know, high, high skies. Um, otherwise, and then the other thing is to try to keep your lure away from the boat. So if you're, you know, fishing with a jig and shiner, which would be my recommendation, um, you want to cast, cast and retrieve, or if you've got, if you've got a little wind, you can drift through those areas, but you don't, you know, you don't want your line right under the boat. You want to get that, we call it long lining and we'll cast, you know, a good long cast, um, away from the boat and, you know, let the boat drift and pull that jig through that area. But those fish will spook from the boat, but they'll, you know, they'll kind of wrap around the boat and move back into that patch. And as your jig comes through there, you'll you'll catch them. Um, otherwise, I'd target the low light, you know, that, that evening bite. And that's what I'm hearing has been good on, on some of our area lakes, Calf Lake and, and Black Duck and Bemidji even. Um, I'm hearing that the evening is, you know, and that's pretty typical of, of uh, this time of year. I would start out with a jig before, you know, before dark and uh fish the jig and shiner and still stay shallow but um if it's a nice evening i'd i'd crank out a you know put a rumble shiner behind the boat and kick it in gear and and you know pull it about two and a half miles an hour um staying in that four to seven foot range and and see what happens um if you're going to fish panfish or bass uh you want to stay shallow right now all the fish are are up in that one foot uh four foot area the largemouth in our area are you know just just starting to spawn and um they're going to be fish in all phases of the spawn pre-spawn spawn post-spawn because they don't all spawn you know on the same day um same same few days but they're going to stay shallow for a while here and in those black bottom bays is where i would start um they're just uh they're definitely the warmest you know warmest spots in the lake especially if you can find one that doesn't have wind um, you know, that's it's on the leeward side of the lake. Uh, those those will stay warmer because they don't mix with the, the main body of water. Yeah, bass is just like a big bluegill, so the the panfish kind of follow the same suit as the largemouth. They're going to be in those warm water areas. Um, we were out last evening for crappies. We we're finding them shallow. They like to find a a little patch of dead reeds from you know last year to to you know kind of hunker down in and and uh, sit in. Otherwise, they like to sit around um, docks, boat lifts, logs, trees, things like that. And, and uh, a jig, you know, either casting a jig, like a 16-ounce gypsy jig on light line and just retrieving it through those areas is good. The other thing is, as I said earlier, a uh, slip bobber with just a 32nd ounce, just an RZ jig with a 
with a crappie minnow. Um, we actually like to use fatheads, a little bigger minnows than your standard crappie minnow, simply because it kind of keeps the bluegills off a little bit and gives those crappies a little little longer chance to to get to the bait. But right now, it's all about water temperature and and staying shallow. Fishing that we do through June is is really pretty shallow, and we don't venture out into the you know beyond the break line much till for any species until midsummer or 4th of July anyway. He is Travis Peterson. He is uh, on the water a lot. I'm sure planning on it this weekend. Travis, thanks for taking time today. Always love talking to you. Have a good weekend and good luck to you. Thank you, Kevin. We'll talk again soon. The Eric Osberg debut is next on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Time to check in with Eric Osberg of the Outdoor Report. First time on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on. It's your debut. I'm so happy. I've actually, you know, I've seen your appearance list on Twitter and things like that, and I've been like, hey, I'd like to be part of that conversation. <laughs> so I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, part of it was the expansion of the brand. Of course, we uh, got picked up by our friends at B93.3 in Brainerd now, and uh, so they they had you on the list of uh, their superstars. So I said, hey, I think I'm going to call Eric because, you know, same thing. I've seen you all over <laughs> social media as well. So good opportunity for us to, to connect. Um, yeah, no, I get. I appreciate it. We're gonna we're gonna get a little bit into your background and how you got into uh, the outdoors because I always find those to be interesting stories. But first, uh, I know you're just coming off uh, being kind of the head guy for the uh, governor's fishing opener in Otter Tail County. How was the first semi post pandemic governor's fishing opener? <laughs> I I think it was a huge success, and I'm biased, right? And I have my own perception and self serving interests, but I. It, for everything that it that could have gone wrong, like it it all went right, and so um, we had a bunch of guests that went out and went fishing and caught fish, and I think they left with a smile on their face and and a and a great story to tell. So I, I one of my desires with the event was to make sure that fishing remained at the forefront of the event, and and I think that. Uh, I really think that it did. So um, I couldn't. I couldn't be happier with the way things came together. The interesting thing about uh, the governor's fishing opener in Ottertail County is the way you guys branded it, because oftentimes it's lake based or it's at least yep. town based. But you yep. went with the county, and that is because you got what a thousand forty-eight lakes to choose from in that county. We have a thousand forty-eight <laughs> lakes to choose from. Yeah, hey. you're exactly right. From from day one, we wanted to. From day one, we wanted it to be a countywide celebration, and we wanted to highlight as many lakes as we could. And 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 then, in addition to the fishing, the other diverse outdoor recreation opportunities, whether it's hiking, biking, paddling, uh, whatever it may be. And so, and and other com- you know, and the welcoming communities because it it is it is super unique. I mean, it's hard to put a thousand forty eight lakes into perspective. And and I think we we accomplished that. We had our guests staying at dozens of resorts on dozens of different lakes, and so they they might have been the only guest of ours at that resort that weekend, right? But 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 a lot of mom and pop resorts got got some attention, and um, and again, it, it, the the lakes are so diverse, and the and the species of fish are so diverse that. Uh, 
we think it we think it it played uh, it played pretty well. Awesome, yeah, it is. It's an incredible county. I mean, I you know I think like we I feel like I go twenty steps and I come across a new lake in Beltrami County. And for those of us who think we have a lot of lakes in Beltrami County, we got five hundred and something. So you've got twice as many as Beltrami County. That is just a ton of water. It is, and 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 to put it in perspective, if you visited a new lake once a week. You said, okay, once a week we're going to go visit a new lake. Now, they're not all fishable. They don't all have public accesses, right? Right. But we're going to visit a new lake once a week. It would take you 20 years to see them all. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if I could do that, right? Like, I don't know if I'm disciplined enough to do that. But, it's, you know, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, well, have you fished them all? I'm like, no, I fished 37 of them. I have, <laughs> have 1,000 to go. So uh, a lot of, lot of diverse uh, fisheries and a lot of diverse fish, and that's the thing uh, in in our neck of the woods. You know, from you guys all the way up to us, all the way to the border. Really, we like our we find our lakes that we know, and we kind of stick around there, and we just ignore so many great things. We just are. It is truly an embarrassment of riches up here. It is, and and you you know you get comfortable and you get confident, right? And it's hard. And and I I'm guilty of the same thing. It's hard to leave. I don't want to say a sure thing, but but once you've got a pattern figured out, whether it's okay, we're going to go to this lake to look for crappies, and then we're going to go to this lake to look for, you know, bass, and then this lake to look for walleyes. Um, it's it's hard, you know, once you've established a, a routine that works, it's hard to say, let's go, you know, let's go subject ourselves to failure and go try something completely new. <laughs> that that takes a lot of courage, you know what I mean? Yes, um, but. It, but that's how you, if you know, the, what, what a buddy of mine and I say, if you're going to be the first person on a hot bite, you've got to be the first. Per- you know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to strike out to hit a home run. Yes. And and so that is part of the fun. And then here's the other thing, Kev, is all the rivers, right? Right. Not only are there lakes that that you know, but the rivers and the shore fishing and and all that stuff. So it it really. Uh, a person could spend a lifetime just just exploring. So Eric says you got to be willing to strike out to hit a home run. What are you, uh, Miguel Sano's publicist? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd get a lot. Yeah, he, he, that could be his tagline, right? Yeah. Big one the other. He hit a big one the he other did. day, right? He did indeed. It's, it's, it's finally starting to click. If, if Sano can keep, you know, if he can, if he can make contact and we get Buxton back and a few others back, maybe they can make a run. Is there anything more traditional in, than uh, in, in summertime in Minnesota than being on a boat fishing and listening to the twins in the evening? I mean, that is like the most traditional Minnesota thing ever. I don't think so. I, I that's that's one of my earliest memories. Um, you know, that Sunday afternoon, you know, those day games too, right? Like that's that just uh, you know hearing hearing Dick Bremer and and uh, no, that's that's about as Minnesotan as it gets. <laughs> Well, listen, Eric, um, into Ottertail County, to get us kind of familiar with it, those of us who aren't uh, real familiar, do you have, like, the walleye lake, and then there's the bass lake and the panfish lake? Do you have any definitive lakes in your county for those different species? We do. Ottertail Lake is the biggest lake in Ottertail County. It's roughly 14,000 acres, and and it's uh, it's literally a walleye factory. Just like you guys have up there, there's, you know, a fish hatchery. Uh, walleye, you know, the DNR does their 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 stripping and and fertilizing all that stuff on the on the Dead River, which runs out of uh, Ottertail. But Ottertail Lake is the biggest lake. It's the 
most populate, you know, it has the most walleyes in it. I, I would describe it as a, a quantity versus quality kind of lake. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not going to catch a 28 or a 29 inch walleye. You might, it's possible. I've seen it happen, but it, you know, those, those good eating fish, those, you know, 15 to, to 20 inches, that's, that's what that's, um, the bite has been tough out there this year. I don't, I, I hope nothing's wrong, but, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the biggest lake. The, the what I would go to for walleyes, and then you've got lakes like Big Pine, Rush, uh, Clitheroe, West Battle, um, and those are some bigger lakes. You've got lakes like Star and Dead between Star, Dead, and Ottertail, and they're they're right next to each other. They're kind of connected. Well, they are connected. So between Star, Dead, and Ottertail, you've got twenty five thousand acres of water, and and each of those lakes is different. Otter tails kind of looks like a big potato if you see it on a map, um, and then Star and 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 Dad have a bu- bunch of bays and fingers and back bays and shallow water and rocks and things that you got to look out for. But uh, and and again, those lakes are you know they have walleyes in them, but but those are more your traditional panfish bass lakes, and um, and then there's you know a, a thousand <laughs> a thousand beyond that. But uh, those are some of the bigger ones. So where have you been fishing lately? I've been fishing on, I was on Big Pine the other day. I've been fishing on, uh, there's, a, there's a small lake. My in-laws have a place on a small lake called East Silent Lake. I've spent some time on Ottertail. And um, I've been, the, my last outing, I was, I was trolling the, the full moon. I, I like to troll at night. That's one of my favorite things to do mainly because I have a day job and kids and it's hard to get away. <laughs> but if, if I go out at <laughs> 11 o'clock, I don't, you know, I can do that. Um, makes the next day tough, but, uh, but, uh, but it's worth a little it. bit of time on honor tail. What's that? But it's worth it. It, it. it can be for sure. Some of, and again, it's probably because I do it a lot, but some of my best outings have been that, that, that night trolling bite. And, and I'm a big fan of shallow water. You know, it'll be midsummer late summer and i'll still be trolling less than 10 feet of water my hypothesis when fish are feeding they come up into the weeds and eat right mm-hmm. when they're when they're at rest when they're just hanging out then they dip down into that deeper water now they can be feeding out there too but if you can find fish shallow they're there i believe they're there for a reason and that reason is to eat and then you throw, you know, your lure in front of them, and they hopefully eat it. You are listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Got a lot more to cover with Eric Osberg on the Ottertail County fishing scene, but right now we're going to check out Malax and Steve Sapaniak from Predator Guide Service. Steve, uh, you know, we are just talking off the air before we got going here. Man, the weather has been really, really weird, and that's that makes it really difficult uh, to find patterns because the fish are just as confu- confused as anybody else's. Oh, no doubt, Kevin. I think that, you know, I know that they're laying right on the bottom. I see a lot of them like the last couple of days with the cold fronts laying there on the bottom. It's been difficult. I mean, I truly expected to see snow this morning when I was guiding it. We saw the, our breath and everything. We watched the water <laughs> temperature within a couple-hour period drop a whole degree. So things are really going a little bleak as far as that goes, but uh, once the water temperature gets stable again, the walleye bite on my lax has just been awesome. It's been incredible. So you've been, uh, yeah, you were telling me you're, you're, you're picking up fish and, and picking up some really nice fish. Yeah, they have been real good. Uh, the other day, um, my gentleman, I've got uh, Dennis and Liska 
from North Carolina are up for the whole week. And uh, the other day, Dennis and I went um, northern pike fishing. You know, I love soaking a sucker middle below a float, and he got a big 15-pounder, just fat as can be, his biggest personal best, which was great. So today we went to another area, northeast Wind Kevin. We went over to Fisher's Resort. I use their place a lot. They've got a three ramp. I shouldn't say three ramp, but it's a three lane ramp. You can get three boats in at one time. It's really nice, good security there and everything. So Fisher's Resort has been good. We went out from there and we were soaking more sucker minnows over weed beds. And my gentleman, Dennis, got an eight pound wall at just about 27 inches long. And that thing was as fat as a pumpkin. But that was it. <laughs> We've seen hundreds of fish while we're there in the weeds and on the edge, but that was it. So we'll take one goofy one that wants a Sacramento any day. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so so what do you think it's going to take uh, to, to get that bike a little more consistent and, and active again? We need some stability weather-wise, like you mentioned a little earlier, Kevin. Whether it's going to be stable weather, you know, the outside temperature is going to be 50s or 60s, or if it's going to be 70s and 80s. We need to get that stable weather coming again, get these fish acclimated to it, and they'll start going bazonkers again. It only takes two, three days of stable weather for the fish to, you know, get acclimated and start biting again. But remember, too, folks, you know, not all fish are going to be turned off, you know, until those, until they get acclimated. You're going to have feeders. Walleyes and northern pike will bass feed just about every single day unless the pressure system and cold front is so bad. So give it a couple days. On either side, Kevin, cold or warm, outside temperature, and we should have a great bite again. They're still biting, just not as good. You know, one of the things that that I, I think is another option for people, and I see more and more people getting a little more enthused about it, and that's northern pike fishing. And I think one of the keys, and you were kind of an early adopter to this, is is social media and video and that ability for people to go onto YouTube or throw a DVD in and learn how to take the Y-bones out because that's always been what scared people off about Northerns. Now they've got, you know, instantaneous education, and I think it's helped a few more people go out and uh, be willing to catch a little pike. You know, exactly right. You know, social media has its downside, but it also has <laughs> its upside, and it's a great educational tool. You know, and that's what social media is, is a tool. Use it to your advantage. Uh, yeah, we had Fish Cleaning Made Easy I came out with years and years ago. It featured, the, it featured many types of different cleaning, different fish, scale, skin, bone, and fillet. But the highlight was one-step Y-bone removal from Northern Pike. One-step Y-bone removal. Pike is delicious. Just about 97% of the bets I make with people that they can't tell the difference between a pike and a walleye, I win. Like I tell them, you just can't look at the fillet. So if you do it right, and, you know, pike is delicious. Now, for the people that catch the small hammer handles, I tell you, I've never had pickled fish taste any better than pickled pike. It makes herring, uh, put herring to shame. That's how good pickled pike is. It is. Easy and simple. Yep, it is. And and I just, by the way, had my my dad cooked up a bunch of northern the other night. So, yeah, it is really good fish. It's very tasty. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend? I mean, for, for if you're looking for a good tasting northern fillet, what size fish should we be keeping for that? That's a great question, Kevin. I like any size northern from about four pounds to seven. I, cause, here's why, folks: they're not too big, they're delicious at that size, and it's easy to remove the Y bones. You can cut them up in sections and batter them and deep fry them, or you can put them on the grill on tin foil with a little bit of butter. Lemon uh, lemon juice on it and a little bit of cloves on there, and it's just out of this world delicious. So, you know, as much as people don't like deep-frying fish, 
I enjoy it. I'm, I'm lived to an old age so far, so I'm not going to let it bother me. But my wife, once in a while, she puts it on the grill, and it's just as great. Um, well, I know one thing you love to do is fish for muskies, and we're getting about a week away from the muskie opener. Have you spotted anything in the lake while you've been out there? Been catching glimpses of them, Kevin. Been catching glimpses of them. My heart starts to race. i got to watch <laughs> out when I see those fish. But... Uh, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to be looking at some goofy, goofy conditions. This will be the second or third year in a row out of 12 where we always catch them, you know, right off of spawning and they're starting to put on the feed bag and they're in the shallows. But I think we might be looking at secondary structure out of the shallow waters and near the other weeds that are a little bit out of the bay is more. That's where they're going to stage and everything. We'll find out. I'm going to do some pre-scouting on Thursday and Friday exactly where they are. If they're out of the shallows and out of the bays, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get a handle on it. But it's not impossible. We'll get it going. I can't wait because it's going to be it's going to be un- incredible. When we see the sizes we've been seeing the last few years up to 59, 60 inches, I mean, that's just a heart attack waiting to happen, Kevin. <laughs> well, they, they say it's the fish of 10,000 casts, but uh, tell me, I mean, how many casts really does it take? You know, that's a fantastic question. If we don't, if we have stable weather, I used to advertise on my flyers, you know, a 95% or 90% success rate because if you can understand that that little tap you have when you're retrieving your, your bucktail or your lure or whatever, you get that little tap, it's 90% of the time a muskie. And for the people I had years ago that understood it, we were boating anywhere from uh, two fish a day. I mean, we had days up to 9, 10, 12 fish in one day. You know, and the reason why people ask, why is it most of the time a little tap? Well, think of it this way. Fish don't have fingers to grab things and feel it. So what they do is they come up behind a lure, put their mouth gently on it. If it's not what they want, they can spit it out in a half a second. And you think you half the time you touch the weed. Well, set the hook. Like everybody says, hook sets are free. When uh, we get out there on the water this weekend, it, let's let's say it's still fairly unstable weather. What fish is most likely to bite and give us some action, even in unstable conditions? Well, I tell you right now, my money is on the walleye. The northern pike's been a little a little touchy yet. Um, the weeds aren't where they should be right now. They're they're there, but they're down low. You know, instead of three, four feet, five feet up. They're about a foot and a half, but my money is on finding the walleyes. Like I said, the other night, even though it was chilly weather, we were on top of a pretty good school of them, and we had plenty of hits. Should have had more boated, but it uh, didn't happen. So uh, walleyes soaked underneath a bobber with a jumbo leech has been good. You can Lindy rig Kevin has been good for walleyes. And a jig and one of those uh, shiny tails, looks like a shiner minnow, has been doing fantastic. You can cast it out or you can uh, troll real slow with it. Another sure bet for catching fish is going to be panfish this time of year. Got a couple local lakes around the area. I'm not going to say which ones until I'm done fishing them, but they've been kicking out some decent crappies in the sunnies. Nothing big, but hey, you know, I'll eat a half-pound crappie or a three-to-a-pound sunny any day. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll eat fish, period. I just love fish. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, anything else you want to let the folks know before we wrap it up today? No, you know, please, please be ethical on the water. I'm starting to see it already. People getting within 20, 30 feet of each other, people hollering at each other, uh, people going to the landing, and they still got the cover on the boat, and they don't take the cover off until it's their turn to unload the boat. You know, think of others. Go have fun. Catch a lot of fish, and if you're interested in going after trophy pike, walleye, or muskie, check out my website, predatorguideservice.com, all one word, predatorguideservice.com, and good luck fishing, everybody. Be safe. Steve Sapaniak from Predator Guide Service, as always, joining us. Steve, thanks, and have a great weekend. My pleasure, Kevin. You too. 
This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Eric Osberg of the Outdoor Report, my guest. We're talking Ottertail County fishing. How is the AAS situation in Ottertail County? We've got a, well, the good news is we have a, a, a super solid AIS task force that does a lot of work, uh, a lot of great work. <clears throat> so, but it, I'm glad you brought it up because you do have to be careful because with this many lakes, it's not hard to say, okay, I'm going to fish this lake today and then I'm going to fish this lake tomorrow. Well, you want to be careful. You want to fish the, the infested lakes last. And, and, and I don't know how many lakes are infested, but it is a relatively short list. It's not, you know, not half of them are infested. They've been able to stay ahead of it and contain it a little bit. So it's, it's, it's a fairly short list. But anytime you're going from lake to lake, you, you have to be mindful of that. And, you know, you fish your non-infested lake first, and then you fish another non-infested lake. And then now, you, you know, that's kind of the routine. You know, the recommendation is always fish the infested lakes fast, last. But, you know, otter tail does have zebra mussels, um, and there's more popping up every year. So I don't know if you can uh, stop it. You can only hope to contain it. And if we all do our job and take care and drain everything out and dry everything out and be mindful of which lakes we're fishing in which order, hopefully we, we can do that uh, and contain the IS. Yeah, I bring that up because, uh, you know, over on Cass Lake, the, the night bite has become essential. It's always been, you know, a low-light bite to begin with because it's pretty right. clear water, and now it's like practically invisible water. And so yeah, that night bite, I mean, it's it's great, but, but you have to wait a while to get out there to catch them. But there's plenty of fish in there. Yeah, and what, what's weird is, is Ottertail Lake, two years ago it was gin clear, like super just, I mean, Early in the year, we would just drive around and 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 we w- and look for walleyes, right? You mm-hmm. just drive around and oh, there's some walleyes. But it it does have zebra mussels, but the water isn't as clear this year or last year. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not a biologist. I have no idea why. It's just it's just interesting. But yeah, that you know, a lot of times that clear water does affect you know the the the, the habits of of the fish and if they want to bite at night that's okay with me because i'm a bit of a night owl and uh <laughs> i like to be out there by myself well eric uh, obviously this is something you've been doing a long long time uh, i'm guessing like most people i talk to in this realm um something you've been doing since you were uh, a youngster yeah well, fishing yeah, yeah. I, I started fishing i i grew up on a i grew on a, up on cedar lake which is which is by upsala minnesota and and when I was a kid, it was a it was a private lake. There was no public access, and so it was a bass lake. And and I can remember my dad and I uh, going and catching frogs and using you know frogs as bait. And and I fell in love with bass fishing first. And I'm probably a, a bass fisherman at heart. Like many, I went away to college and I kind of forgot about fishing. But uh, I, I eventually found it shortly after, or rediscovered it shortly after graduating, and I make as much time as I can to get on the water because that's uh, that's where I like to be. So I've been, yeah, I've been at I've been at the fishing game for a while. I'm sure that I'm any good at the game yet, but uh, <laughs> I like to practice. <laughs> you know, there's so many people. That's just such a traditional story. Whether it's uh, guys who run in the bait shop or owning a resort or you know, doing the fishing guide or, um, you know, work for the DNR, just something you did as a child, something that was just such a central part of life. And uh, there's just a passion there, uh, an absolute passion when you when you deal with people who, who are involved in the outdoors. 
Well, in, there's a saying that anglers are born, not made. And and I don't know if that's true or not. I, hopefully you can make anglers because I think the sport still has room to grow. But you're right. I mean, some people, I don't know what it is, but it just, you can see it happens. It just triggers something in their soul. And 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 hopefully they're, the, what I talk a lot about is being process-orientated because you have to enjoy the process because you're not always guaranteed the results, right? Like you have to enjoy the process like gearing up and going to the lake and spending time on the water. And then, you know, the result, you, you have some elements of control to try to increase your odds of success. But if you don't enjoy the process, if, if you don't enjoy fishing and not necessarily catching, it's, it's, it's hard. But yeah, there's a lot of passionate people that, that are in the outdoors industry and, and, and on the water and in the woods that, uh, you can tell it's 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 uh, something profound for them. You know, you mentioned bass fishing being your favorite. Um, that used to be a pretty um, small group, uh, but yeah. my goodness, bass fishing has become so popular over the the last several years. Uh, I think obviously the the high school and college uh, competitive seasons have helped uh, with that next generation. But yeah, people are discovering bass, and once they discover bass, it's hard to get them back to something else. It is. It's they're they're such a cooperative fish. Right? <laughs> that you know, walleyes can be temperamental and and they can be very cooperative too if you're in the right place at the right time. But bass, they they seem to willing to be willing to play ball. And I, I would add pike to that list too. You know, pike. I, I don't know if they're going to become more popular, but but gall gall. You know, they they. Uh, I don't know how many times you catch a pike and you and then and you're having fun. Right, like while you're reeling it in, you're having fun until you realize it's a pike, and you're like, "Oh, it's just a pike." Well, that's okay, right? Like, you know, I've I've been with you know, and with the new regs around here, anyways, they're trying to promote keeping a lot of those littler pikes. And my mm-hmm. brother-in-law and I, and with kids in the boat, we've we've gone out and kept a bunch of pike and and fried them up. And that's the thing I would that's the thing that I would say is the advantage of pike to bass. It's is very seldom you have a bass fish fry. But once you learn how to clean pike, I'd put them up. You know, you could you could put a mixed batch together of, of walleye and pike, and it's hard to tell the difference. So, um, no, you're right. Bass popular is becoming super popular. Our bass fishing is becoming super popular, especially with this younger generation. If that's what it takes to get them on the water, I'm all for it. You know, what I think the best thing because you're right. I, I hear more and more people actually catching and, and cooking up pike these days too and i think the best thing that has happened to northern pike even though in many other ways in our society it's a real detriment uh social media the ability to get on youtube and find several videos that shows you how to get rid of the y bones has made the northern a more attractive fish to a lot of people it, it has and we we've recorded uh we recorded uh one of those with uh one a guy with uh, uh Chuck Coombe is his name. He's a guide for Rainy Days Guide Service, and so we were filming a bit. You know, on that northern border, the pike season never closes. So, yeah. so we were filming. We were filming up on Rainy Rainy Lake. This was years, five, six years ago. And uh, he did a how-to. You know, he showed us how he does it. Every, you know, there, there's many ways to skin a cat, and there's many ways to clean a pike. But you're right. Being able to on a tailgate of your truck just pull up YouTube and say, "Okay, how do I do this?" I've I've referred back to that video multiple times. Okay, what do I do again? But once you do it a few times, you can kind of create your own system. Well, Eric, if we're going to go out fishing this weekend, what should we do to catch walleyes? What should we do to catch bass? What should we do to catch panties? 
Well, the panfish, um, I, I think they're still up shallow. That you know, so the the crappies have been in the reeds. Like the crappies were on their bed. You know, last earlier this week they were they were up in force. Um, so I I guess what I would do is I would get a good pair of polarized sunglasses, get on my trolling motor, and I would just start looking for fish. You can have a rod in your hand while you're doing it, and you can be casting, but I would just quietly, slowly patrol those shallow areas, reeds, weed beds, those types of things, and just take a look around. And if you don't see anything, okay, well, now you've eliminated that. It's a way to at least, you know, eliminate dead water quickly and efficiently. And then, obviously, the, you know, the... The smaller walleyes can still be up shallow. You know, the bigger walleyes, they're, they're off the breaks and in the deeper water. Um, the bass should be coming up on beds soon if they're not already. Um, and, then, and then a little bit later, then the bluegills will start coming up there. So I would focus on, and, when I, and, and I, would, I would focus on the break all the way up to shore. And, and, and you know, I'm not saying you have to drive around all day long. But get a good pair of polarized sunglasses and just drive around and look. You're amazed at what you can see when you when you're observant. I know that's redundant, but but <laughs> that's what I would do. That I mean, that's what I'm going to do this weekend. Is I'm going to throw on a polarized, get on a troll motor, drive around and see what I see. And if I don't see anything, then I'll just start working that break and and working my way deeper. Well, Eric, if people want to keep up with the adventures of Eric Osberg and the Outdoor Report, how do we go about doing that? Well, we're on the social medias. You can find us, you know, the Outdoor Report on, on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Osberg Eric with a K. Uh, you can find our YouTube channel, the Outdoor Report YouTube channel. It's been a while since I've posted anything, a good video, because I've been busy with the governor's opener. But uh, hopefully um, I've got a plan this weekend. My boy and, uh, and Nicole Jacobs and I are going to try to go bass fishing. So hopefully we'll have some entertaining content coming soon. You're like the missionary of Ottertail County, you know, trying to spread the good word of Ottertail County. Yes, I am. Do you remember the show The Love Boat? I do. I'm the Julie McCormick. I'm your cruise director. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the Julie McCormick of Ottertail County. It's my job to make sure that you have a good time in Ottertail County so that uh, you want to come back. Well, with 1,048 lakes, you know, a good chunk of your job is already done, right? It's an easy sell. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Osberg uh, making his Paul Bunyan Country debut. Uh, great having you on the show. Uh, we'll definitely have you back, and uh, we hope you have a great weekend, Eric. I, I really appreciate it, Kevin. Like I said, I've always been a little jealous when I see you know see Matthew Brewer and all the good the good sticks up there talking with you. I'm like, hey, I'd really like to talk to Kev. So I'm, I'm really glad uh, you reached out. I really appreciate it. So I just want to point out to my coworkers here in Bemidji, there are people who do like to talk to me and don't pretend they're not here when I call them up. Hey, I hope you have a great weekend, whatever you're doing this weekend, fishing, going to graduations, hitting the links, taking a bike ride, whatever it may be. Enjoy and be safe. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet through Podcast One or the Pod MN app, or really wherever you get your podcasts. But we got a lot of great stuff on this show, and we don't want you to miss any of it. And oftentimes on the podcast version, you get a lot more than you get on the radio version, so it's worth subscribing to. The other good thing about it is uh, you can listen to it whenever you're available to listen to it. Before we get out of here, I want to let you know next week we got some great stuff coming up again. We're going to talk to some musky guys because the musky opener is coming up Saturday, and we are going to hear from the commissioner of the DNR. Sarah Stroman granted me an hour to talk to her about everything going on in the world of the outdoors, and we are going to look at it in depth next week. Hope you can join us then. Fish hell, pop on, yeah. Country, country.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.